Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Fourth Quarter Comeback Show. I am your host, Mr. Miles W. Miller. People, I am utterly excited to be here with you today. Anytime we get a chance to to be before each other, I am honored and I am excited. Um, People, let me tell you something. Today is one of the most phenomenal days of my life. I'm always excited to do these uh, shows and for you to come out on a, at 6 p.m. on a Saturday, excuse me, on a Sunday, it means a lot to me. And I, I pray that you don't leave disappointed. In fact, I know you won't leave disappointed. But to ensure that, right now we turn this show over to God's Holy Spirit so that we all get what we came for, and that is a move of His Spirit. People, 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 we have something in store for you today. We got some good stuff in store for you today. Listen to me again. I can't I can't say it enough. We got some good stuff in store for you today. People, I got on the show today, Prophetess Tara Carissa. She's going to come on. We're going to talk about for your this season, this 2010 season. You know, it's not over yet. We're going to tell you, we're going to empower you and encourage you to keep moving forward towards your dreams, to keep moving forward towards possession in 2010, because guess what? It's not over yet. There's still time left on the clock. We're only in the fourth quarter, and the game's not over yet, baby. you still got time to come back. If, if the first three quarters didn't go the way you wanted them to and the first part of the, of the fourth quarter didn't go the way you wanted to, wait, two months left. As of tomorrow, tomorrow will be November 1st. There's still two months left in this year. So there's still some things that you can do in this year, in this season, and you can still have the life of your dreams. So with that understood, I want you to just get ready to take some dynamic notes, get ready to be empowered, get ready to be encouraged, get ready to go and do what it is you've been called to do because guess what? It's your time. So on that note, I'm going to take you to an inspirational song, and it's a a song that I love. It's a song I absolutely love. Uh, It's called It's Your Time by Donald Lawrence. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with the fourth quarter comeback show. How many people know it's your time? Oh. y'all for coming. I just want to encourage somebody to let you know I am speaking over your life. You get ready to walk into the best time of your life. You are getting ready to get your inheritance. Just look at somebody and say, it's your time, it's your time. Vanessa, come to the stage for me, please.
would believe and report and love. He said, you're healed. He said, you're healed. He said, you're healed. And I'm standing here tonight.
As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who hope, excuse me, who against hope believe in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. People, this is this is exciting stuff. I'm going to read that read verse 18 to you again. Who against hope believe in hope that he may become the father of many nations. Abraham, who against hope believe in hope that he may become the father of many nations. I want you to I want that to resonate to you. I want to, I want to break this down for you. That first word, hope. Some people hope in what they can see. You know, some people's hope is in chariots, some in horses, which means some people because it seems like we're in a uh, we're a part of a mighty nation. Then you know your 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 hope is in the fact that you know our our uh, army and our navy is strong. And our infrastructure is strong, and our buildings are big and tall, and our leaders are, are the best leaders in the world. Some people have their hope locked into that, so that means their hope is in things that they can see or or tangibly touch, so they think, not realizing that those things are temporal. So some people's hope is in temporal things, but the second word, hope. Abraham, who against hope, Abraham against who against what the situation looked like, believe in hope. Now, in Jeremiah 17 and 7, it reads, and I'm going to paraphrase it, that blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. That second word, hope. It says it like this. Abraham believed God Promised him that he would have a that he would be the father of many nations. The second word hope is is that his hope was God. Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. Abraham, who against what the situation looked like, believed in God. He believed God, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to you tonight. It's not over yet. Don't look at the situation. Look at God. God is greater than the situation. God is greater than what anything you may be going through right now. God is our source. Our source is infinite, which means that as long as you have breath in your lungs, there's still a game to be played. The game's not over yet. We're just in the fourth quarter. The game's not over yet. It's time for you to possess some mighty things. The game is not over yet. Listen to me very carefully. The game is far from over. So, I'm going to read this to you in another, uh, another translation from the Amplified. As it, this is verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Again, this is God talking to Abraham. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks, to, speaks of non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Verse 18. For Abraham, human reason for hope. Being gone, Abraham was a hundred years old, and he was he was an older man. His wife was ninety years old, and she was barren. But God promised him that they would be that that he would be the father of many nations. He didn't look at the situation; he trusted God. Hope and faith, and he should come should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So I'm gonna read this to you in New Living Translation, verse seventeen. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. 
This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even, verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. People, it's not over yet. It's not over yet, people. Listen to me. It's not over yet. You're, this year is not over yet. Your life is not over yet. I'm hoping, I, no, this, this is what I'm telling you. I'm speaking life to somebody. If you can hear and receive what it is I'm saying, if you can hear and receive what it is I'm saying, we're here tonight to speak life into your, into your, your, your destiny, to your dreams, to your goals, to your aspirations, to your vision. Everything that God gave you that may seem like it's laying dormant, we're here to speak life into those dormant things. Dormant doesn't mean dead. Dormant only means sleep. We're coming to wake up the sleeping giant within you. Because remember this, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And I'm getting excited. I know I'm, I'm setting the tone for, for what's about to come because what's getting ready to happen, you could only hope for or imagine. Because it's going to be greater than anything you can hope for or imagine. Because we have something so dynamic tonight for you. I'm bringing it on the line um, uh, in a, just about four or five minutes. Uh, prophetess Tara Carissa, she's come, she's fired up. I know she's chomping at the bit to get on here because we we spoke about this earlier in the week and we were both excited to do this show. And let me tell you, let me tell you this: it's always a wonderful thing when people want to see other people blessed and they want to see other people living the life of their dreams. You have to have to really honor that type of thing. And I'm honored to to be here tonight. To light you on fire for your destiny. I'm honored to be here tonight to to put a to to light the match, to stir up that that dormant dream that was laying inside of you that somebody told you you couldn't have. The devil's a liar. I'm here to tell you anything that comes against your vision, anything that comes against what God has given you, is a liar. And tonight is the night of your rebirth. Tonight is the night that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ gets loose in those situations that you're going through. So that you know that without a shadow of a doubt, that without a shadow of a doubt, listen to me very carefully, that without a shadow of a doubt, that you were put here for a purpose. Nothing's on this earth by accident, and you are definitely no accident. And those very dreams that you have inside of you that have been lying, lying dormant are there for a reason. Now it's time to breathe life back in those things which people may have told you were dead. Today we come to speak life. We come to speak life and life more abundantly. And... I have some things I want to share with you, but I don't think we're going to get a chance to get to those because I want to—I don't want to delay any longer. I want to bring to the line somebody who's who I have the utmost respect for, who I have, I look up to um, as a, a leader in the community, as a leader in in just self transformation. Um, somebody who I know hears God's voice and has a heart and a passion to see people be everything that God said that they're supposed to be. And without a shadow of a doubt, I'd like to bring to the show none other than Prophetess Tara. Pro- Tara, are you there? I am. Thank you so very much for having me, Miles. I'm truly humbled. I am excited. I'm just honored to have you here. This is uh, one of those moments where, you know, you know, I've been doing this show now for uh, these shows for about a year and a half now, and I've met, had the honor to meet some dynamic people. And 
and I'm just have to tell you that I'm thankful that we we've been able to come in contact with each other and that we've been able to meet. This is truly an honor, and it's truly a, a great thing when when you can bring people together, you know, for a, a good cause to help other people live a life of their dreams. Amen. <laughs> and, and what what I'm going to say is this: I had a, a lesson. Normally, I don't teach lessons for the fourth quarter comeback series. I usually just just come out the gate just you know full throttle of motivation and encouragement. But there's some things I want to walk through with you. And um I teach I'm teaching a lesson called the power to never quit. Mm, amen. And I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the tips and I'm gonna let you expound on them because I know you got some things inside <laughs> that <laughs> well, people right, need to hear. No problem. <laughs> so in my series The Power to Never Quit, the first thing I always teach, the first thing I always tell people to do is to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, if you got people in a situation right now that may seem bleak, it may seem like they can't come out of it. You know, we played the song, uh, It's Your Time. I'm here, we're here to speak life into those things of, that people have inside them that may have once seemed, uh, they seem distant or they may even seem dead. We're here to speak life into those people. What do you tell somebody? How do you How do you encourage somebody to have the faith, first and foremost, to to seek God first, to pursue that which they know inside of them is supposed to be alive. Sure. You know, you've got to have the faith. You know, I tell people, when you don't have anything, you ought to still have faith, which is a belief, a belief that you know that what you're going through, you know, you're going through it for a purpose. You're not just going through it haphazardly. You're not just going through it just because. But there is a purpose that is assigned to your going through. And if you are going to make it, you know, I tweeted the other day, I said, listen, I said the storm becomes more peaceful when you understand the purpose of the storm. And so when you're in the middle of a storm, that's not the time to start questioning God. God, are you God? God, do you exist? That's the time to start seeking God. Seek him first, you know, so that you can begin to understand, okay, why am I going through this storm? Because when you're going through something, when you get the revelation of why God is sending you through it, then you are going to endure that storm a lot easier than somebody who was going through the storm. They have no faith in God. They don't understand. And I tell people, listen, you don't always have to understand God to trust God. So the first point in having faith in God is, un- is knowing that, listen, you don't have to understand God. God says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. So there are going to be times you don't understand God, you don't even like what God is doing. But if you can learn to trust God in spite of how you feel, then you're going to come out okay. Wow. Wow. So let's let's go back historically. Go back to the scripture I just gave you, uh, Romans 4, 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. What could what what do you think could have possibly have been going through Abraham's mind when he decided that regardless of what the situation looked like, that he was going to trust and believe what God promised him? What could in, in doing so, how do we translate to that to today's believer? We know we know Abraham's the father of faith. How do we translate that to today for people who may be going through what seems like an impossible situation? You know what, a, a lot of times, Miles, when we talk about biblical characters and what they've gone through, we paint these people as if they're just that, they're characters and not actual people. But I, I want to talk about something you brought up a few minutes ago. You talked about the literal age of Sarah and Abraham, literally. So this is great-grandmama, great-granddaddy in our generation talking about having a baby. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's keep it real. These are not 30 and 40-year-olds running around talking about, I want to have a baby. No, these were 90 and 100-year-olds talking about, God said, I'm going to have a baby. 
Okay, so let's put that in perspective. One of your church mamas is talking about her and her husband are going to have a baby. So when we begin to look at the people in the Bible as people and stop looking at them as characters, then we can truly relate to what they were going through mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Come on. If a church mama got up at 90 years old and said, I'm believing God that I'm going to give birth to a son, we would look at her and wonder, okay, mama, did she take her medication? You know, <laughs> is she out of her right mind? Is, is she hallucinating? Mama, what's going on? What's going wrong? But that's exactly what Sarah had to do. In the face of what she was experiencing in the physical, she still had to leave away for what God could do supernaturally. Wow. And that's all faith is. Faith is saying that I know that what I'm seeing naturally is not all there is to see. Just because that's all I can see doesn't mean that there is, that's all there is for me to see. Right. Supernatural is the thing that you can't see, but you've got to believe that it will be able for you to see, but you've got to keep believing. Wow. So, wow. so that's how you can connect with Abraham and Sarah. That's how you can connect with the other great warriors of faith is understanding what they were actually against. You know, a lot of people, you, you spoke earlier about how people, you know, they don't always have the support of their family. Well, how about Abraham? One of the first things that God told him to do in Genesis 12 was get out of your daddy's house. Wow. So you've got to leave your family's house. And at that time, all you and your family, you lived together. It wasn't, they, they didn't have cars to jump in where they lived in Atlanta and, and, and you lived in Alabama and you could drive over on the weekends. No, when you left, you left for good. You never see again in Scripture where Abraham's father, his earthly father, is yet talked about. That's because when Abraham left, he had to leave for good. Wow. He couldn't jump on an airplane and go back home and fly home to see mom and daddy. So when you begin to look at what they actually had to sacrifice and what they actually had to give up, that's where you get your strength. Wow. So I would admonish people when you talk about where do you get your strength from or how can you make this relatable to me in my current day situation, go back and read it from the perspective of these are not characters, these are people. Wow. And I can relate to that personally. I had to. I left Detroit. You know, I, I've never lived in Atlanta before in my life. I, I left Detroit four years ago, you know, believing God that this was the place he sent me because, um, you know, I, I prayed, I fasted, and my bishop was opening up a, another church down here in Atlanta, and he asked me to come down here and, um, and be a part of, of this uh, movement, be a part of him, him planting this church. And I've never considered living in Atlanta before. I had to leave everything that mattered to me to be here. And it's, it hasn't been easy. It, it wasn't easy. But it was so ironic that, you know, you mentioned that because now that, that brings it home for myself. You know, you know, we're relating it to, you know, the, the, the history to the present. And for myself, you know, I can, I can t totally, totally, totally relate to that because it was not an easy move for me to, you know, leave everything I knew, to leave my parents, leave my grandfather, leave my siblings back in Detroit and then move to Atlanta to a place where I only had one relative in the area. Definitely, definitely. And, and we've got to look at that. I mean, imagine if you go home right now and you say, you know what, Mom and Daddy, that's it. I'm not seeing you for the rest of my life. They would think that you were crazy. But yet that's what Abraham had to do. And he had to do it based on a conversation that he had with a God that his family didn't even believe in. Wow. Wow. This was not a, a, a God that his family was worshiping. That's one of the reasons why God had to call Abraham out, 
because his daddy's house was not worshiping the true and the living God. So you show up at your house to say, Mama and Daddy, goodbye. That's it. I'm not going to see you for the rest of my life. I'm moving out to a foreign country. Let's make it relative. If you're living in the United States and you've never been to, to, to Brazil, Mama and Daddy, goodbye. I'm never going to see you again. I'm moving to Brazil because I heard from God, a God that they don't even believe in, and he told me that that's what I need to do. Wow. Now tell me that's not faith. That that takes faith. That takes a lot of faith. <laughs> but we know faith is, is not about what you can see. It's not about what you can see. If if you can see it, then it's not faith. It's, it's, it's not already, faith. It's already manifested. <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly right. So we have to look at what other people before us have been through because the Bible says that there is nothing new under the sun. And that's why whenever you're going through, the enemy begins to fight you in your mind and your emotions, and he begins to make you want to feel like you just want to be by yourself. Because right. if he can get you by yourself, then you start thinking that, woe is me. I'm the only one who's been through this. I'm the only one who's going through. Nobody <laughs> understands me. And when you start believing that you're all by yourself, then here comes depression to now oppress you. Wow. So that's why even when you don't feel like talking to people, you don't feel like being bothered, I don't feel like talking to nobody, that is the time that you need to really get before God and say, God, listen, the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I need you to order my steps so that I can talk to some people who know where I am and they can give me advice and encouraging words based on the word that is going to encourage me. Oh, wow, you, you're, you're in my notes. You're in my notes. <laughs> you are definitely in my notes. You, you, you jumped ahead of me there. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise God. <laughs> well, the second step I always teach, after we, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all these things will be added unto you, we know that if you spend time with God, he will give you the blueprint for what's to be expected, for what, you could, what, what he wants you to achieve, you know, to Absolutely. accomplish your purpose. So the second step is to write the vision down and make it plain. Absolutely. After you sought God, you write down what God gave you, and then you make it plain. How, how can I put this? How do you make something plain that is only plain, only tangible in a, a realm that you can't physically put your hand in? You write down all the details. What I mean by that, it's not enough to say, God, I'm believing you for a house. Well, there are millions of houses to choose from. Right. You need to say, God, I'm believing you for a five-bedroom, four-and-a-half-bath, brick home, you know, <laughs> with staircases, uh, an uh, open-floor kitchen plan with a family room, a dining room, a game room, a theater room, you know, with a master bedroom on the main. That's wow. how you make it plain. Because if you don't make your vision plain, not making your vision plain is the equivalent to not writing down directions plain. You'll get down the road and can't even read your own directions. So now mm. you're stuck, and you don't know which way to go. Mm. So when you write it down plain, that's the first step in being a good steward. Because if you're asking God for a house, and we're just using that as an example, and then here comes the money to buy the house, if you haven't written down plainly what you want, you now run the risk of taking something that God blessed you with finances and going to buy a curse, something that you really didn't even want in the first place. Ooh. You know how many people out there got caught up in this mortgage uh, scam? I mean, not so, I won't say scam, but it, was, it, was, it definitely was, was not completely honorable how the mortgage uh, system was set up. How many people do you think got caught up in something that they didn't really plan for? Exactly. You, you didn't plan for it. But, you know, the, the Bible says that a wise man, he considers the cost before he builds a house. 
And that's not to, you know, knock anybody who is going through anything right now because we know that there are a lot of situations, you know, how people got into whatever whatever situation that they got into. But the bottom line is plan. You got to make it plain. You got to make it plain that, you know what, just in case mama gets sick or just in case, you know, I get laid off or just in case, you know, I need to fix the roof. Those are the plans that you have to make plain because I, I stop by to tell you that whether you make your plans plain or not, the enemy sure has a plain plan for you. <laughs> wow. And it, it's so amazing you said that because I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier, and I, I tell people uh, in my coaching and in my seminars that the plans that other people make for you don't include you. Exactly. It's for their benefit. It's not even for your benefit. It's for their benefit. Wow. When your supervisor plans out your schedule, it's to benefit their bottom line. It's not to benefit and accommodate your life. Yes. So it is with wow. anybody else that's making a plan for you and you're not included. That's why it's dangerous not to have a plan. Because when you don't have a plan, you also don't have options. It's like the benefits plan on your job. When you get a plan, <laughs> then you have options. Wow. And I think you're talking to uh, a lot of people. I think you're hitting the nail on the head for a lot of people. A lot of people are, are being are seeing their lives right now, and you're you're putting it in plain view for them that if you're not planning your life, somebody else is planning your life for you. That's the reason why you'll see a lot of people who, you know, and this is something. This is one sad statistic. I, I don't like to to spend a lot of time looking at statistics and and trying to to you know squeeze uh, or uh, dictate the the way life should go because of numbers. But there's one statistic that is very accurate, and I, I hate that it's so accurate, but it's very accurate. And it says that um, the dropout rate of the third grade determines how, how many jails will be built. Mm. That wow. by the time somebody fails the third grade, they've already been considered to be, they, their home <laughs> has already been built for them, and it's in behind bars. Wow. So, wow. Already, you know, a plan for their life has been made, and they're not included in it. <laughs> they're not included in it, but it, that's why it's so critical for us to get before God, get his plan for our life, and, and then really begin to cultivate that and, and look at that plan daily. You know, look at that plan, analyze the plan. You know, get with some mentors that, that can help you work through the plan, that can give you some insight about the plan. It's critical that you do that. And when you talk about, you know, the ultimate comeback, let me tell you something. There are four quarters in a football game. I don't care if you're down, you know, for all three quarters, you're, you're, you're the losing team. Guess what? The coach is still going to expect you to go out there and, and play the plan for that fourth quarter because that's the only way you're going to stand a chance to win yes yes and and you know again you're you're way you're in my notes you're deep in my notes we didn't even talk about this you're in my notes step three that i always tell people to to exert the power to never quit seek Amen. out godly counsel on the subject which and you know what we know is the council of elders or mentorship uh, I, I like uh, something that Dr. Mike Murdoch says. He says that there's two ways to gain experience, mistakes or mentors. Exactly. I, I liken it to this. Um, I know that there's a learning curve that we, we're, no, we're taught that people have. It takes time for certain people to learn certain things, it, it, and so it's a curve. I, I liken it to this. Mentorship will actually straighten that curve because we know that the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Exactly. So... There are a lot of people out there right now making mistakes to learn. 
because they they won't listen. They won't sit down and and submit themselves to somebody long enough to learn and to watch somebody else's mistakes or learn from somebody else's mistakes. They want to make their own mistakes. They want to make their own mark in the world. What wow. do you say well, to somebody? You know what? I, I have two things to say to that, and I love Dr. Mike Murdoch. Uh, and the two things I would absolutely say to that individual is that even Jesus submitted himself to somebody. He submitted wow. himself unto God. And so Jesus, the greatest human being ever to live, as he lived by the law of submitting yourself so that you can be cultivated and taught and developed, then you ought to be doing the same thing as well. Secondly, I, I would like to use a quote from a, a, a powerful pastor who I'm, who I'm loving our door, and that is uh, Dr. Lance Watson. And he says it quite often. He says, listen, experience is a good teacher, but the tuition is ridiculous. <laughs> So for those, you just want to make your own mistakes, go ahead with your bad self, but it's going to be expensive. When you can sit down, discipline yourself, get before God and say, God, who do you trust me to learn from? Because, you know, it's nothing wrong with being, you know, uh, very uh, decisive about who you learn from. In fact, that's why. You know, it's the equivalent of when we get ready to send our babies off to college. You know, you want them to sit down and make sure that the college is good and make sure that they have a high graduation rate and make sure that they have a great ratio for grads who actually get jobs after college. So it's nothing wrong with making sure that you are choosing a wise mentor. But the bottom line is that you've got to be mentored from, for, um, you know, by someone. You have to be. Wow. If you're ever going to get to that next level, it's going to take somebody who's already on that level that can look down at you and help, you know, give you wise, you know, advice, decisions, that give you a totally different view that you never considered. See, the higher you go, the more you can see. So what that means is if you're trying to go higher, there's no way you can see as much as somebody can who's actually where you're trying to go. You're going to have to listen to what they're saying because they're talking from a totally different viewpoint. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know, and that is amazing in itself. You know that we 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 talk about that as a uh, as we tell people that it's not over yet. There's some no. people out there who are compulsive spenders. There's some people out there who you know have been battling uh, eating addictions and things like like that. And we're here tonight telling them that it's not over yet. That the game's not over. People may have counted you out, but the game's not over. And mentorship is one of those things that you have to have. You must have a dynamic mentor. You must have a dynamic coach. That's one thing I can attest. Uh, me being in front of you now, there's, you know, if it hadn't been for, for Greg Harden at the University of Michigan my sophomore year in college, you wouldn't see me right now because he kept he kept me on task at age 19 when I decided that this is what I wanted to do. He kept me on task even when I when I tried to quit. He kept me on task even when I when I tried to find a way to, to, to go into a corner and just be quiet and, and never be heard from again. He helped. He stayed on me. And as a result, now I can tell people don't ever give up, don't ever quit in your dreams, because I'm because this man took it upon himself to make sure I didn't quit, to make sure I didn't fail, to make sure that I lived, that my dream lived, because I trusted him to be my mentor. Awesome. And you know what? You know, Mal, as we're talking, I just hear God saying that somebody needs to know, how can I know if somebody can be trusted as my mentor? You know, Jesus, the greatest human being that ever lived, you know, he said something very powerful to his disciples before he ascended back into heaven after his resurrection. He said, listen, greater works shall you do. Wow. If your mentor cannot stand to see you do greater than them, they're not a mentor. Hmm. 
So you will know who your mentor is by somebody who doesn't mind taking you under their wings and developing you so that you don't make the same mistakes that they made so that you can go farther in a shorter amount of time than they did. Wow. That should be the first question out of your mouth to your mentor. Can you stand to see me be greater than you? If they can't say yes, they're not it. Wow. Because a mentor is to a mentee what a parent is to a child. And I've never met a good parent that didn't want to see their child do and become better than them. Wow. That says a lot in itself because there are a lot of parents right now. There's a lot of people that I coach on a daily basis that the one issue that they have, the number one issue is the relationship with their parents and how sometimes their parents stifle their success because it, it kind of made them feel insecure or inferior. Wow. And and you never know what how what kind of damage that has on a person. Like somebody really, you know, they get nervous about even being successful because they're scared that people are going to, you know, not want to be around them once they're successful. Wow. And well, I'm, you know, Joseph had the same problem. Joseph, you know, knew who he was called to be, and his brothers didn't quite like that. But, you know, Jesus said something very powerful, and so did David. David over in Psalms 27, he said, listen, even when your mother and your father forsake you, and that's also representative of your family, then I, God, will take you in. And then Jesus said something very powerful over in the New Testament. He said, listen, my brothers are the men who follow me and do my father's will. So if you are surrounded by people who don't want to see you do better, you first need to pray for them because we know that that is not a spirit that has been given to love the Father. Wow. That's number one. But number two, you need to understand, and we don't hear this preacher talk about very often in the church, but it doesn't make it any less effective, and that is all of us have plenty of relatives. But you've got to understand the difference between a relative and a family member. A relative is somebody who shared the same genetics. You were born into the same bloodline. But a family member is somebody that you don't even have to be genetically uh, uh, kin to. Right. But there's somebody that can stick there right there with you, that can see you through your ups, your downs, the thick and the thin, and want the best for you. Hmm. Wow. I, I, you know, you're, we are shedding some light on, on some things for people right now. I know that without a shadow of a doubt that, this show was necessary, and, and us being here tonight, you being here tonight, uh, prophetess, it was was absolutely necessary. And there's two more things that we want. I want to touch because I know that, you know, it takes all five of them for that for, for that power to be released. Um, we've already discussed seeking first the kingdom of God, we, and after you spend time with God, He's going to give you a plan, and, and so you write down that vision and you make it plain. And after you got the vision plain, you seek out godly counsel on that particular subject. The next thing is to apply faith and elbow grease. Absolutely. To apply faith and elbow grease. What about the person who's right now, who's hearing this show, and they're sitting up eating bonbons expecting the life of their dreams just to fall out of the sky? Absolutely not. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. It means <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not enough to have faith. You have to... Be prepared to receive what you're asking God for. You know, it's the equivalent to uh, your 12-year-old jumping up and down saying, I can't wait till I can get my license, but you never take time to teach them how to drive. 
Well, they're not going to get a license just because they magically turned 16. They've got to go down to the DMV and take a driving test, and rightfully so. You want to know why? Because if they never had any driving lessons and if they never had to take a test to get their license, they're in danger of not only hurting somebody else but hurting themselves as well. So it is with God. I'm not giving you that house, that home, and that husband until I've sent you through a process to, to, to process you so that you can receive that and you don't tell your own self and other people too. That, now, you just you just really uh, struck a nerve right there. A lot of people are, that um, they're, they're out there, they're looking for their, their ideal spouse too, and they, mm-hmm. they didn't realize no, no, that no, there's no, a no. process. You don't get ideal spouse until you become ideal to God. See, Eve didn't <laughs> show up until Adam was able to repeat back to God what God had already said. Hmm. So you've got to get some maturity, and you've got to get some development going on. And I don't care who's out here doing it all out of order, doing it how they want to do it. I stop by to tell you that God's order is still the right order. Wow. Wow. You know, you hit the, you, you struck a nerve there with me. You know, I, I teach the the three stages of dream realization, and it starts with the goal, and then after the goal, there's the process. After you have, have an intended purpose, that, then of which the goal is, then there's the process. And then, in order for you to see manifestation, there has you know you have to complete that process. So there are people out there right now who who don't they they want to be great. They know, in fact, they know they're supposed to be great. And when I hear me tell them that the life of your dreams is wonderful and you deserve it, it fires them up. But that's about it. They get fired up. They expect all these great things to happen. But again, they they abort the process. How important is it to stay focused and during and endure the process? Because I know sometimes the process is not fun. I mean, I know uh, a diamond is made by an intense process. But if, we, if the process is incomplete, you don't get a chance to see that full diamond. So, what, how do you inspire somebody who's at that place right now? They want to, they want to be great. They know they're supposed to be great, but they're still not completely sold on finishing the process. You know what? I'm going to give you a very graphic example of, of the the difference between a process completed and a, a process that has not even begun. For those people who love to eat steak. I don't care how rare you like your steak. You're never going to open up a packet uh, 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 of, of steak and just start eating it straight out of the container. Oh, God. <laughs> okay? So that's the difference between something that has not gone through the process. It has all of the possibilities, but it still hasn't become because it hasn't gone through the process. And interestingly enough, no matter how rare you like your steak, you still got to put it in the oven for a short amount of time because you've got to kill off the things that are on that steak that if you ingest it prematurely, it can kill you. Wow. Now, flip side, if you're hungry for a steak and now you're looking at a fully cooked steak, guess what? That steak has been through a process, and now the steak can do its job by being food for you that you can consume, and now it, it helps your body instead of harms your body. Wow. That's the difference between somebody who will go through a process and somebody who won't. Wow. You know, we would never let a doctor operate on us who had not been to med school. Never. 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 So why do you think that you can get to your dream without going through the process of becoming what you need to become to live out that dream? Wow. I tell people like this, I, you know, I love 
I'm from Detroit. I love Coney dogs. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Detroit. You, yes, it, look, I have. <laughs> okay, you have to you have to have a Coney dog next time you go to Detroit. They are the one, most wonderful things on earth. <laughs> so oh, okay. <laughs> but the one thing about a hot dog is this: if you ever watch the process of a hot dog being made, which I did, I stumbled across it one time and made me sick to my stomach. Mm. It is an absolutely disgusting process to watch. But if you want to enjoy the hot dog, that hot dog has to go through that process. Has to go through the process. And the finished product is something that's that's desirable. How how important is it to to believe that the final product is worth the process? It is extremely important. You know, it reminds me of the scripture in the Bible where the Bible talks about how a woman, when she's in labor pains, after she has her baby, she remembers the pain no more. Wow. Now, it's not that you can't jump up and say, yeah, having a baby is hard or having a baby is painful. But what it means is that you become so overwhelmed with the joy of what your pain produced that now you're celebrating the promise instead of remembering the pain. Wow. 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 You've got to believe that what you are going through is all worth it. The Bible says you will not lose anything in this life for my sake that I will not give back to you in this life and in the life to come. So that means that God gives you double for your trouble. Look at Job. Wow. Wow. Job lost everything, but he also got back everything and then some. Wow. Wow. So it's important for you to know that God is not a God who likes to play tricks. He's not <laughs> going to take, you know, something away from you and not give you back something even greater in its place. That's not the nature or the character of God. Wow. But you've got to understand that when God is sending you through a process, it is because he is fashioning you for greatness. But he's got to take the good from you in order to get the great from you. Wow. Wow. I'm just I'm 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 telling you listeners, I don't know if you're taking notes. I am. Okay, I'm taking notes. This is stuff I need to hear myself. And um you know, it, we're we're getting close to uh we got about 5 minutes left in the show and I want to there's there's one more thing that we have to discuss in order to release the power to never quit. Amen. And step number 5, this this is this gives you the grace, it gives you the favor to step out and and be powerful in accomplishing your goals and never quitting. Step number five that I always encourage people is to expect to win. Absolutely. Expect to win. If you, you won't make a, you won't not make the fourth quarter comeback if you don't expect to do it. Absolutely. No matter how far you're down, no matter how it doesn't look like you can win, you've got to go out there like football players who are going into the fourth quarter down. You've got to go out there with your best game, knowing that anything is possible. The Bible says mm. all things are possible to him who can believe. Wow. See, sometimes God allows us to be down in the fourth quarter so that when he delivers us, nobody can get the glory but him. <laughs> See, a lot of times we take our processes too personal. A lot of times your process is not even about you. It's about the God on the inside of you and what wow. God wants to do for you so that when people see it, God can get some glory. You know, countless times throughout the Bible, we see what the Bible says that a miracle took place for the unbelievers. Matter of fact, the Bible says that miracles are for the unbelievers. So as a believer, your life is not your own. 
The greatest example of that we have is Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, and it was because of no sin of his own, but my sin, your sin, everybody's sin who's listening. So when you become born again, saved, you know, filled with the Holy Ghost, your life no longer belongs to you. So that means that there are going to be some things that you go through that have absolutely nothing to do with you, but just because God is using you, it will become a benefit to you. Wow. See, God never uses a vessel without going back to honor the vessel that he used. Wow. That's why Jesus gets to sit on the right hand of the Father, because he was obedient to the Father's will. So it is with our lives. If you are going to get what God has for you, you've got to know that you might be down, but you are not out. You might be down, but you are not defeated. You might be down, but God can still deliver. Wow. Tara, on that note, I, wow, I'm I'm telling you right now, I'm ready to go do what it is I'm supposed to do. Amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, this I'm do, this is a part of what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm ready to go do a conference, a seminar, or something right now. Amen. <laughs> That's what it's about, being about your father's business. Wow. People, if if you're not getting this, you not you don't have a pulse right now. And we but we came to speak life, so um, we can we can take care of that too. Um, Tara, we got three minutes left in the show, and I just want you to take this time to. Give the people uh, some encouragement to to step out there and let them know that it's not over yet. There's time left in the game and that their time has come, their time is now. Amen. Well, I just want to speak to the people and let you know that despite what you have been through, it is not over. The Bible says that the enemy comes for three reasons only. That is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But the word then goes on to say that Jesus came that he might give us life and life more abundantly. If you are not living in the abundant life just yet, you're not done yet. It's not over yet. Because God's desire is that you live in the abundant life. And when I talk about abundance, I'm not just talking about finances. Yes, finances as well. But the word says, I desire that you prosper even as your soul prospers. So God is not a God who just wants to prosper you financially. He wants to prosper you emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, relationship-wise as well. So if you're not there, rest assured God is not done with you yet because that is the Father's will. God says, listen, I want to give you good and perfect gifts that add no sorrow. Wow. That's what God is after. It's not over until you get what God is after. That's why we have an old saying that says it ain't over till God says it's over, because only God can look down in your situation and see if you got into the place that he needs you to be before he can declare, my will has been done. Wow. If you're still in the struggle, God's will has not been completely finished. See, interestingly enough, one of the last, the last thing that Jesus said when he was on the cross, it is finished because he had completed the work of the Father. Until you can say it is finished, it's not over. Hang in there. God is not done with you. God loves overtimes. He loves surprising people. But more importantly, he loves getting the victory because he's never lost the battle yet. Wow. And on that note, we have about 90 seconds left in the show. Tara, let the people know how they can reach out to you, how they can stay in contact with you, how they can be a blessing to, to your ministry and what it is you do. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, they can go to my website. It's Tara, 
T E R A Carissa C A R I S S A dot com, and that will link you to my Twitter page, Facebook, my YouTube channel. You can go on there and listen to me preaching and teaching. I have a combination of clips up. Some I'm preaching and some I'm teaching, but nevertheless, it's the Word of God. Um, also, you can go to my website to stay current on conferences. I will be preaching November 5th in Atlanta, Georgia, a Ooh. women's conference. Cannot wait to see all of my women. Also, on the 3rd, I will be on Channel 57 in Atlanta. You can tune in and watch me there. December 6th, I will, I've already penned an article for Fearless Magazine. Their website is fearlessmag.com. So there are numerous ways that you can keep up with me and stay in contact with me, and I would love to hear from you. So please let me know that you're listening, and please send in your praise reports and your testimonies. Well, Tara, we absolutely thank you. We are uh, honored that you have been able to to bless us tonight here on the Fourth Quarter Comeback Show. And thank you for you having know, me. You know without a shadow of a doubt that the, the red carpet is laid down for your welcome back anytime. Thank you. And, uh, again, people, that was Prophetess Tara Carissa. I want you to definitely, definitely support uh, her ministry and do what it is. Uh, do, um, just go by and look at her website and, and just – you know, connect to her. She's a, she's a, a, a people person, and and we like connecting with people persons on this show. But ran a little bit over time. We got to get out of here. But before I go, I want to acknowledge again, Prophetess Tara Carissa Hodges, um, uh, Mr. Eddie Connor in Detroit, Michigan. We're gonna uh, he and I are going to be doing a conference pretty soon. Actually, next month, uh, November, about 19 days from now, November 18th, we'll be in Detroit. Uh, doing the Manifest Destiny Detroit. Your time has come. Your time is now, Detroit. I'm coming there, and we're going to light you on fire. Uh, I want to thank a uh, special friend, Tanya Murthy uh, in Florida, uh, Bishop Wayne T. and Dr. Beverly Jackson, uh, Pastor Ginaldo Lee, Co-Pastor Tiffany Lee, uh, Ms. Karen Donnell in Detroit, uh, Michigan, uh, Mr. Kenneth Moody in Detroit, Michigan. I want to thank each and every one of you. I want to thank my parents. I want to thank each and every one of you who are listening right now, who are listening live, who are going to listen to this podcast Look, take from tonight something dynamic. You have been presented with some dynamic tools to help you know that it's not over yet. I don't care what the season says. I don't care what the scoreboard says. I don't care what the the fans are saying. I don't care what the critics are saying. It's not over yet. And my mentor, Les Brown, says it this way. It's not over until I win. It's not over until you win. Remember this. You know my motto and my mantra. My mantra and my motto. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit in your dreams. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit on your dreams. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.